This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hey, Next Picture Show listeners. Just a reminder that our live show at the Chicago Podcast Festival is coming up on Saturday, November 19th at the Steppenwolf 1700 Theater. We've got a script and a format worked out, which we think is going to make the former Dissolve podcast listeners out there very happy. For one thing, it's going to feature the return of some of your favorite obnoxious noisemakers. So come to the show and you'll get a chance to see the Barnyard Buzzers in person and to help judge a competition to determine a future podcast movie pairing. We'll be doubled up with the folks from the Booth One podcast, so we're expecting the unexpected, but we're also expecting this to be a pretty lively, fast-moving exchange of ideas. Tickets are available at chicagopodcastfestival.org. Come join us, meet other Next Picture Show fans, and tell us what you want to see next up on the podcast. Very difficult to keep the line between the past and the present. Believe that someone out of the past can enter and take possession of a living being. We may be through with the past, but the past is not through with us. Hey guys, this is Genevieve Kosky, and I'm here with Tosh Robinson. As you may have guessed from the title and runtime on this podcast, this is not the episode that was originally slated to run today, which was the first part of our discussion comparing and contrasting Wong Kar Wai's In the Mood for Love and Barry Jenkins's new Moonlight. We've decided to postpone those episodes a week in the wake of what's been a pretty tough week for our country. To be frank, in the days after the presidential election, we weren't really feeling that up to talking about movies. Yeah, it's been a pretty intense week, uh, politically and socially speaking. So all of us here at The Next Picture Show have been trying to figure out how to care and talk about movies again when there's kind of a lot of other things to care about and talk about right now. So Genevieve and I decided to get together to record a little mini-sode to tide you guys over until our regular episodes drop next week. Yeah, we're just going to talk a little about how we're feeling about watching movies right now and offer some kind of recommendations for you guys in terms of how to do that if you're also struggling. Uh, But before we get into that, a reminder about where you can find the movies we'll be discussing in next week's episodes. Moonlight is still in limited release and expanding to more theaters every week. So check your local art house or indie friendly cineplex. In the Mood for Love is on Criterion DVD and Blu-ray, and it's also now available via Filmstruck, a new subscription streaming service for cinephiles that is now also the online home to the Criterion collection. It's a pretty cool service with a lot of past Next Picture Show titles available, so we'd recommend checking Filmstruck out if you haven't already. Okay, so let's get into this discussion, Genevieve. Um, There's definitely a feeling out there. I think a lot of people are really wanting to talk politics right now, and other people are very adamantly not wanting to talk politics. And for a lot of people, entertainment has kind of become a big question mark. Is it about escapism? Is it about like the place that you can put your head in order to avoid thinking about everything that's going on? Or does it represent something bigger? I think it's kind of important to note that for some people, entertainment is is the opposite of politics. Even entertainment that's about politics can sometimes feel very escapist. But Entertainment is also kind of inherently political. You wrote a piece for Vox kind of getting into this about the 
the relationship between entertainment and uh, like a more political, more connected world and how it comes through Roger Ebert. You want to explain that to us? Yeah. Uh, those of you who have seen Life Itself, Steve James's 2014 documentary about Roger Ebert based on his memoir, um, are probably familiar with his quote where he describes movies as a machine that generates empathy and how um, movies and, to my mind, entertainment as a whole kind of allows you to, to see experiences outside your own life experience. And that is important, especially in times when it feels like the world is confusing and not the world you thought it was uh, a few weeks ago, which is maybe how a lot of us on both sides of the political spectrum are feeling right now. So yeah, and the piece I wrote for Vox, it was just kind of talking about using Ebert's words as guidance in terms of engaging with entertainment. Engaging with entertainment as escapism, I think is fine to a certain extent, but I think it is only so rewarding and maybe not what is necessarily needed in times of stress. And I think maybe viewing entertainment as an empathy generating machine is more helpful right now. There's always something to be said for self-care. A lot of the people I'm talking to right now that are in various degrees of emotional upheaval, that are uh, feeling strong emotions right now, have kind of expressed a desire to disappear for a while into their favorite entertainments. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's there's nothing wrong with self-care. And anybody who's closely involved in social work will tell you there's a time that you kind of need to turn off and take time for yourself. So, you know, whatever your comfort uh, entertainment is of choice, there's, there's nothing wrong with sitting back and appreciating old things. But at times like this, it's also always a good time to stretch your horizons a little bit. And part of taking advantage of the empathy machine is taking advantage of the way cinema brings us into, like really in a very intimate way, brings us into the lives of people who are not us yeah and i think the the movie that we will be discussing we promise next week moonlight is a, a really good example of that it, it's a coming of age story about a gay black man in miami which is certainly some people's experience but probably not a lot more people's experience and it is a, a beautiful film in a lot of ways but just in terms of uh, exposing you and generating empathy for a life that is very different than your own, I think is important and healing to a certain extent right now. So if you haven't seen Moonlight, there's two reasons to do it now. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very autobiographical film. It comes very much from the lived experience of the playwright who wrote the piece that was adapted for the film. So, you know, it's uh, film can be an empathy generating experience in ways that can sometimes feel like a little questionable, a little specious, because you're you're feeling empathy with a fictional character. Moonlight is one of those cases where the, the fictional character is so heavily based on the internal experience of an actual person. You know, you're not connecting with an abstract idea. You're connecting with an actual human being. Yeah, for sure. What what else right now do you think people should be striving for in their as, as they start to re-engage with movies and entertainment? Well, I mean, one of the things that that most strikes me in moments like this is that American entertainment in and of itself is is very anti-establishment. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the myth of the American cowboy runs so much through our entertainment, regardless of whether it is at all about the West or about mm -hmm. cowboys. Um, 
But the the importance of standing up against a system, the more importance of standing up for what you believe, the importance of um, engaging with your ideas, of not worrying whether the people around you agree with you, all of these things run very strongly through our ideas of American heroism. So there are a lot of political films out there that you can watch, things like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington or All the President's Men that are specifically about standing up against the establishment and not letting other people tell you what to do and, and fighting back against a political system. But honestly, you can kind of find examples of standing up, standing up for what you believe in, in anything from the Hunger Games to uh, Star Wars, Star Wars, to the vast majority of Westerns before the kind of grim Western revisionism set in. We love our heroes in America. And for cinema, the idea of a hero is generally somebody who stands up for what they believe in. For sure. But I think there's also, as you point out, we love our heroes. So there are a lot of stories about a a lone person standing up to a system. But like looking at the other side of that, that can be the I alone can fix it uh, mm. approach to things as, as opposed to the collective push for change. So that's something to keep in mind. It's such, like I think a lot of superheroes do kind of fit into a certain strain of fascism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's an interesting lens through which to view Marvel movies. And I think I was thinking a lot about Civil War, the last uh, the Captain America Civil War movie for that reason, and just the schism between ideologies that are technically on the same side, the way that that movie explores that while also being very much a blown up superhero movie. But I also think kind of getting away from the directly political and just seeing personal stories, and this goes back to the empathy machine, and just living with a character who is unlike you for 90 minutes to two hours, you know, that that can be really affecting. And I think it's important in terms of just broadening your horizons, both aesthetically and emotionally. And I think that's important in part because one of the things I keep seeing over and over as people armchair quarterback the the last election and try to figure out what happened and why they didn't see it coming is people keep talking about how we're all in these little bubbles Mm -hmm. um, where our beliefs are reflected back at us. And what I see online as I, I try to engage with the world via social media, which is such a tool for us in the media because it lets us engage with other people in the media in other places and kind of find out you know, what What have you seen that moves you? What have you seen that isn't part of the studio distribution system that isn't getting the giant push? What have you seen that is small and needs championing? You know, we go through that all of the time with other like-minded people, but it tends to draw us into conversations all the time with like-minded people. And as a result, we don't always necessarily know what's going on on the other side of the aisle. We also, those of us who engage with the world largely through art and social media, have a tendency to encounter only the most extreme opinions. And that can really make you want to pull back very quickly from engaging with anyone who has beliefs other than your own. So the kind of the point of cinema here is that it tells it tells complete stories. You're not going to get the complete story from somebody who you're fighting with uh, via Twitter or via the person in your family who has beliefs different from your own, who's, you know, giving you a a one paragraph rant on Facebook. Um, You're going to find a complete story in a movie like Moonlight, in a movie like Boys Don't Cry, in a movie like Transamerica, or which I'm just to be clear, I have not seen it comes highly recommended to me. I'm very curious, but uh, I can't speak to the flaws of that movie. Um, I have seen Tangerine, and I thought it was a really fun movie. 
a film like Tangerine is not going to change your political beliefs. It's not going to explain to you what you need to do about the world. It's just a story. It's just a story that immerses you in a world that unless you happen to be a black transsexual prostitute on the streets of LA, you probably have not personally experienced. Yeah. And a recent example kind of on the other side of, of several spectrums is the recent uh, Hell or High Water talking about Westerns. That was one that exposed me to a world as someone who has always lived in the Midwest in urban areas, seeing the quote unquote economic anxiety that we heard so much in the lead up to this election, kind of seeing that portrayed through characters who were sympathetic while still being characters, you know, like they weren't symbols. We're also getting just a lot of movies right now. Uh, Charles Bromesco wrote about this um, very convincingly, I think, in Rolling Stone. There's kind of a a series of movies that are coming out right now. They're kind of about the, the plight of the single white male, especially coming from impoverished areas, especially people with uh, blue collar jobs or people in the military um, and about the kind of quiet, desperate heroism that you get from them. Um, I actually just saw Ang Lee's Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And I had a couple of problems with that film in terms of the nakedness of some of its preachiness, but it gives such a an empathetic and and quiet view of what the draw is for being in the military and connecting with other people specifically through that lens. It's a really touching and again, a really empathetic movie. Yeah. So what we're trying to say is the movies still matter. <laughs> we can still talk about movies. Uh, we just maybe a matter of getting past a certain mental block of why we should. So I think Tasha, we're both getting there. And I think Heath and Scott are as well. And we will be back, as we said, next week to talk about In the Mood for Love and Moonlight, uh, two movies that have a lot to say about experiences that are different from all four of ours, and I imagine uh, most of our listeners. So yeah, we'll just wrap it up there. Uh, Thanks for listening. Natasha and I kind of uh, ramble our way through some thoughts we've been uh, struggling with the past few days. And uh, we'll be back next week, our normal pod time and normal pod channel. So we hope to see you then. 